This is Generation Justice, a multimedia project that trains youth to create media that inspires positive social change. I'm Edgar Cruz. And I'm Jakia Fuller. According to the Rape Crisis Center of Central New Mexico, only 16% of survivors of rape report the crime to law enforcement. This can be due to many factors, including fear of retaliation or confusing reporting processes, both of which were named in the 37-page Department of Justice report on the University of New Mexico's sexual violence policies and practices. Tonight, we tackle this critical report and what it means to different groups here in New Mexico. Let's begin with the first song of the night. Here's Gaiyan Yame by Oshun. Stay with us. You're listening to Generation Justice, and tonight we're talking about the Department of Justice report that was released on April 22nd about UNM's mishandling of sexual assault cases. While the DOJ report is clear in its findings and recommendations, the university has maintained that they're making strides in providing a safer campus. So, we'll hear from Heather Cowan, the Title IX Coordinator for the Office of Equal Opportunity. And Francie Cordova, the Executive Director of OEO, about what the university is doing to provide resources and services for students who are impacted by sexual violence. Here is Tamara Kalaki with Heather Cowan and Francie Cordova. Hi, my name is Tamara Kalaki, and I'm here with Francie Cordova, who is the Director of UNM Office of Equal Opportunity. And I am also here with Heather Cowan, who is the Title IX Coordinator. Welcome to Generation Justice. Thank you. Thank you. We're happy to be here. Can you both please introduce yourselves, um, starting with Francie? Uh, My name is Francie Cordova. I'm the director of the Office of Equal Opportunity, and I've been in this position nine months now, 10 months. Um, So fairly new to the university, but returning back to New Mexico again. I'm Heather Cowan. I'm UNM's Title IX coordinator, and I've been in civil rights and Title IX work since fall of 2009, both with the University of New Mexico and with the University of Michigan. Can you tell us about the Office of Equal Opportunity and the services you provide? So the Office of Equal Opportunity is the administrative entity on campus that investigates claims of discrimination for faculty, staff, and students based on protected status, which is typically defined by Title VII and and Title IX. So that's race, sex, age, national origin, gender, sexual orientation, spousal affiliation, veteran status. And then Title IX, of course, is a piece of that because it prohibits discrimination based on sex and gender, which the severe form of that can be sexual violence and stalking, that sort of thing as well. But we also give guidance and training on civil rights issues, and we do affirmative action compliance for the university, making sure that employment decisions on campus are based on our affirmative action plan and EEO principles. Can you explain a little bit more in detail what Title IX is? Sure. So Title IX is the federal law that was enacted in 1972 that prohibits gender or sex discrimination in any educational program. All schools that receive federal funds or provide federal financial aid have to adhere 
and prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex or gender. So sexual harassment is a form of gender discrimination and sexual violence is considered a severe form of sexual harassment and a form of gender discrimination. So that's how sort of our office is the entity that investigates claims of sexual assault, stalking, intimate partner violence, as well as what people normally think of when they think of sexual harassment or gender discrimination. What are your roles and responsibilities as the director of the UNM Office of Equal Opportunity? I oversee sort of all the roles of how Clary and Title IX and budget and civil rights investigations and training from the director level perspective. And then there's um, individuals who look at the program more um, in depth from in their areas, such as Heather for Title IX. Heather, what are your roles and responsibilities as the Title IX coordinator? Yeah, so it's, you know, sort of from the high level, institutional wide, making sure that, you know, there is no sort of discrimination, there's no inequity on the basis of gender. So it's overseeing all the investigations for gender discrimination, which can be, you know, treating someone differently, it can be sexual harassment, which I talked about earlier, also can include the sexual violence and stalking and intimate partner violence, retaliation. So if somebody raises concerns of Title IX violations, and then they are treated badly or differently because they raise concerns or because they participated in an investigation, then that's also a violation of Title IX. So it's sort of making sure that all of those individual investigations, you know, are occurring properly, you know, as timely, as thoroughly, as fairly as possible, making sure that the institution's policies and procedures are in compliance with Title IX, making sure that our training programs are being offered campus-wide and that they're in compliance with Title IX. It's basically making sure everything that UNM does is in compliance with Title IX. So we we also want to thank you for giving us the time to talk about the DOJ report. Um, I know it's very serious and there's not a lot of people that take the time to want to talk about it. So we really appreciate that you both have agreed to come to share with us more about it and your thoughts on it. Yeah, it's definitely not an easy topic, but It's important that we think about it, talk about it every day so that we can do the best we can to make UNM the best, safest place possible with fair processes for everyone. And so can you tell us what were the findings of the DOJ report? There was a lot of information in those 37 pages. I think the big sort of takeaways for us would be, you know, that we need to really make sure that all the policies and procedures we have throughout the campus, they're all consistent. So it's a big campus, a lot of different moving parts. So, you know, we update and create the new, like, for example, policy 2740, the sexual violence and sexual misconduct policy, which DOJ did say was compliant, except we didn't as a university update it everywhere. There was a mention of sexual harassment or sexual violence, which means that in some places across campus, It was confusing for people. So, you know, we definitely need to to do a better job of making sure that everywhere there's a mention that it's consistent throughout campus, including our procedures. So they, you know, they talked a lot about making sure that our procedures are fair for everyone and that everyone's sort of given the same opportunity to present evidence and to be treated the same way fairly in an investigation. They talked about um, making sure that we have more training for those of us who are providing the investigations, which is great. We definitely want our investigators to get training. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's doing this work needs to to sort of get, you know, sort of constant training around what are best practices. Um, and then also our training to our students, staff and faculty and 
sort of our marketing campaigns to our students, staff, and faculty, making sure that those, you know, are effective, our best practice in, in terms of sort of what the research has been done nationwide. So I think those are the big takeaways. Did I miss anything? I think the only other thing is probably a, a tightening of our internal process for investigations, which we had already been looking at and, and we were aware that we wanted to tighten it up and shorten timelines and make it as fair and equitable for all parties involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, I think that was the other takeaway and, and something something certainly we were working on and, and wanted to do as well. The Office of Equal Opportunity was mentioned in this DOJ report. Can you tell us specifically what it said about the OEO? So at the, at the time that the investigation by the DOJ was going on, the office looked a little different. So we've been, we've restructured, and by we meaning the university has. Um, it's predated some of us. Have the, I think Heather's been here a little longer. But, but we, it's restructured generally to sort of house and bring together some of the resources that focus on these issues. So um, the Title Line Coordinator, first of all, making a permanent t- Title Line Coordinator, which is now Heather. And um, dedicated. And I a think. dedicated Title yeah. Line Coordinator. So somebody who's doing just that job. Um, having a, a, a dedicated director who's looking at it globally. Having a dedicated Clary officer who's looking at it every single day as well. And um, so I think that was one of the... Um, one of the things in in the report that it was talking about that the, the university has now moved to restructure the office entirely. Um, so I think that's something that we that we're glad is happening because I think it it brings together all the important roles into one office um, to really work and look at this from various perspectives of of the issue for civil rights generally and Title IX specifically. What is the university's response to the DOJ? You know, I think our main sort of takeaway or our main message is really that we want a safe campus and we want a fair process and we're going to do everything we can to get there. We've been working really hard. The campus and our programs and our policies, everything looks really different from where we were about two years ago. So we've done a lot of work from where we were two years ago. We definitely recognize that there was still plenty of work to be done and we're going to continue to to make those changes and to make those improvements so that things can get as good as they possibly can be. It's it's from top to bottom. We've revised policies. We've um, revised internal documents. We're looking at um, all sorts of different things to to make that better and more consistent across campus. And I think partnering with our other resources on campus to make sure that we're not duplicating, that we're not dropping the ball anywhere, and making sure that there's a consistent seamless process um, across campus for anyone who's experienced civil rights violations. Some of the really specific things we've done over the last two years is is create that new overarching policy, 2740. The sexual violence and sexual misconduct policy was a huge change. We created a training on Title IX for staff and faculty, so they sort of know what to do if a student comes to them and, and discloses sexual assault, sexual harassment, gender discrimination, things like that. We've opened the Lobo Respect Advocacy Center. We dedicated three different resource centers around campus as as these anonymous advocacy centers, and, and those staff have been trained pretty extensively in, in advocacy and in Title IX and in what the resources are so that anyone across the campus can utilize them, and it won't automatically trigger a university, an administrative, or a criminal response or report. Going back to when you were mentioning the resources, what has your office done to inform the student body of these resources? 
We work really closely with the dean of students. The dean of students and the Lobo Respect Advocacy Center, um, they're really more responsible for the marketing and education and training of our students. So we work with them to sort of make sure that what they're doing is in compliance with Title IX. From our side, we're trying to train as many staff and faculty as we can on their Title IX reporting obligations, how to respond to a student in crisis, how to respond when a student discloses something even if they're not in crisis, because that certainly happens. And part of that training is to really make sure that our faculty and staff know where to direct a student if, you know, where to, you know, with those anonymous advocacy centers, so the low respect advocacy centers where we certainly are trying to steer everyone so that even if they don't know, because there are lots of different places you could go on campus and you can actually access any anyone you want on campus. We want people to go to where they feel comfortable first. Um, But for people who don't have someone like that already on campus, then, you know, the Lobo Respect Advocacy Center is that anonymous reporting location. You go there and you say, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what I need help with. So what we're really hoping is that, you know, we have marketing campaigns so that really we're hoping that students know if something bad happens, this is where I go and they will help me figure out what I have access to. You know, where's the free medical care? Where's the free counseling? Where's my advocates? What kind of processes can I have? What kind of academic or housing accommodations can I have? What kind of assistance can I have with my financial aid or my scholarships? This is for Heather. In a previous interview with UNM News, you mentioned that OEO was given permission to hire two investigators. Can you update us on that? So we already had three on staff. We were already in the process of hiring a fourth. And then we just recently got permission from the president's office, and the president's office is funding it also, to hire a fifth. And so we're in the process of that now. We've just completed interviews, and we hope to have them on board early to mid-June. That's great news. Thank you. No, it's amazing. It's wonderful. We've heard that UNM will be implementing online trainings for the entire student body. What is the status of that? So right now it's in the pilot program. So um, all students who had over 80 credit hours were invited to participate in the pilot of Campus Clarity, the online training. Anyone who takes it now, they'll have it covered for the next academic year. Starting next fall, anyone who doesn't take it by the registration deadline will have a hold placed on their account and they will not be able to register until they complete the campus clarity training. So, of course, we encourage everyone to take it over the summer or as soon as you get that sort of notice that here it is, it's time to take your training because, you know, certainly no one wants to have that hold placed on their account. There was also an increase in the OEO budget for additional trainings related to the DOJ report. What are some, some of the trainings that staff, including yourselves, will be going through? So we've already been going through trainings this year um, with our investigation staff and, and all of us. Um, and that includes intensive Title IX training and advanced Title IX training. Um, it includes the trauma-informed training. It included clarity training. It included investigative techniques and report writing. It included EEO training. Um, and so we're hoping that all of those trainings will be duplicated for new staff and then that the existing staff will have additional classes that are similar Is there anything else you would like to add? Our big takeaway really is that we knew there were problems, which is why we've been working really hard for two years. We've put a lot of great things in place. We've made a lot of progress. I think that the stuff we have in place now is completely different than it was two years ago. I'm super proud of the work we've done. I'm really proud of where UNM has come with this. And we already, before the DOJ letter came out, we knew there was still more work to be done. We've been working at it pretty consistently. You know, like they stopped their investigation last summer, And we've made a lot of changes even since then. 
you know, we look forward to using the DOJ report as ways of saying, oh, yeah, let's do that, too. Let's do that, too. Let's make sure that we implement all these things to make the, the best, safest campus we can and the fairest, most thorough process we can. And this is a conversation, like I said, that that's not going to end. And we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're in this conversation for the long term. And, and we want to be receptive to the voices we're hearing and make this a campus where people want to work and be educated. And we're just we're just going to work really hard. Yeah. So we're just west of Dane Smith Hall and people are welcome to walk in. And our website is oeo.unm.edu. Um, and we really look forward to hearing anyone's feedback. Awesome. Well, I really, really appreciate both of you being here. And I really want to thank you for the work that you do for our community and for our campus to ensure that we're safe and we have equal opportunities. And I just want to thank everyone at the Office of Equal Opportunity for everything that they do there as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for being here. Um, This was Tamara Kalaki here with Generation Justice. Thank you, Heather Cowan and Francie Cordova, for taking the time to talk with us about the services that OEO provides in helping to make campus safer. I agree that it is important that the policies and procedures be consistent throughout campus and tightening the process so that it is effective and efficient for those who are involved. I hope UNM continues to make the appropriate choices to create a safer campus. Now, here's our next song, R-E-S-P-E-C-T by Aretha Franklin. It is estimated that 1 in 5 female college students and 1 in 16 male college students will be sexually assaulted. Many universities and colleges across the country have been accused of mishandling and disregarding cases of campus sexual assaults. Those same accusations were made against the University of New Mexico. So, the United States Department of Justice came in and conducted a 16-month investigation. A few weeks ago, the DOJ released the findings of that investigation and found that UNM systematically mishandles cases of sexual assault. Now, here is Christina Rodriguez with Kathy Cook, an activist with Students for Reproductive Justice. She will tell us about what's in this report and her analysis as a UNM student and activist. This is Christina Rodriguez, and today I'm here with Kathy Cook, UNM's student activist and member of UNM's Student Alliance for Reproductive Justice. Welcome to Generation Justice, Kathy. Thank you. To start off, can you please introduce yourself? So I'm a student. I'm double majoring in English and Women's Studies. I'm really passionate about issues like sex education and gendered violence. What do you know about the DOJ's report on UNM's handling of sexual assault? The DOJ report says that faculty and staff did not understand when or how to report sexual harassment that they observed, learned about, or themselves experienced. The university provided virtually no training on sexual assault or sexual violence to students. Students told us they had no idea where or how to report or where to get help. Those who were able to report encountered a confusing process rife with roadblocks and delays. Further, UNM officials responsible for addressing and remedying complaints of sexual harassment, including sexual assault, had received minimal and inconsistent training and demonstrated a lack of understanding of trauma-informed interviewing and investigative techniques. Something else that I thought was really key 
that they noted was that without appropriate supports in place, numerous students saw promising academic careers derailed, experiencing lasting and serious emotional and mental health consequences, suspending their academic coursework, dropping out of extracurricular activities, losing scholarships, and or leaving the university altogether. And troublingly, interview after interview, UNM students expressed reluctance to report sexual assault to UNM because they feared retaliation or because they lacked confidence in the university's response. The DOJ report said the department commends UNM for these significant and proactive efforts. Um, and we note that these initial measures may already be lifting student confidence in UNM's response. During the 2014 to 15 school year, the university received 109 administrative complaints of sexual harassment, sexual assault, domestic violence, and stalking, in which at least one UNM student was party to the complaint. By contrast, UNM had received a total of 57 complaints for these same acts in the previous five years combined. What they say is increased reporting is a positive signal that UNM's efforts are improving student awareness of and confidence in the university's procedures to address sexual harassment and sexual assaults. So they are doing some good things, but it's still a pretty disappointing situation. It's kind of upsetting to see how many places they were falling down and not doing what they're like legally required to be doing. But there are some things that their report acknowledged that they're doing well and that they're like taking steps to remedy things. Can you break down some of those parts that stood out to you or that were disheartening to you? Some of the things that were most disturbing to me were the sections that talked about the investigative process. They basically explained that the Office of Equal Opportunity doesn't train the investigators in trauma-based investigation and in like best practices in their field for this sort of um, investigative work. And so the OEO wasn't collecting information the way they should have been for different cases. They weren't informing the people who were reporting assaults and the people who were accused of assaults of like all the things they could do, like providing witnesses themselves being like, I know this person saw this, you should talk to them. They weren't letting them know that that was like an important option that they had. It was just disturbing to see, like it made it sound like the university didn't have the procedures in place to handle investigating the reports in a way that was effective and in a way that was not traumatizing. Another thing that was really disheartening was how long it takes them to complete reports, right? Because this isn't like a legal investigation, which takes a long time. Like it's supposed to be resolved quickly so that the campus community is safe. And so... They cited a bunch of examples of people who were accused repeatedly and still weren't being investigated in a timely manner, even though there were multiple complaints lodged against them, which is really disturbing. There are these people, and some of them were people who it said were in positions of power over students, like graduate students who were teaching or people who were advisors, and that wasn't getting handled. And that's that's really disturbing, like not even just student on student violence, but situations with faculty or staff should definitely be handled in a timely manner. That really unnerved me that that even that was not being dealt with. It looked like there were a lot of gaps in communication and a lot of gaps in appropriate training for UNMPD and for OEO, which is awful. They cited examples of students being told they would have certain accommodations for their courses and then that not getting communicated to different departments correctly. So then they didn't have those accommodations and that's 
that's not okay. Yeah, and the fact that UNMPD wasn't appropriately trained or like up to date on the best training is disheartening. Like I understand we have funding issues sometimes, but that's that's a key thing. Like that should be funded properly and it's not a place where we should be falling down. And you mentioned earlier that you were looking at like the way the media has been covering this as well as how the university has responded. How do you feel about the way that the media has been covering this report? I appreciate that the media has paid so much attention to the report. I didn't realize it got attention on more than just a local level, which it did get some attention. I was a little disheartened by the university's response because it seemed like their response was, you sort of got it right, but we didn't do all those things. Like That's what it sounded like to me, Um, and I appreciate that they have done some proactive things, right? Like Lobo Respect is a proactive thing that they've done. But you you have to own that, right? You have to own that these are bad things that have happened and we need to change this. You can't say, it was just this moment in time because the reports from like 2010 to last November, I believe, is the time period they covered. So it wasn't just that that period of time, right? So I sort of felt like it was a little bit of a cop-out from the university itself to not really own the fact that no, we really messed up. Like, these are big issues. Yeah, one of the things that the university has said was that it's anecdotal. What do you think about that? How does that make you feel? It does cite a lot of specific examples from different cases. And so those are anecdotes, but those are in support of the way they outline specific procedures that aren't working. So they're like, here's this procedure that isn't working, and here's why it isn't working, and here is a specific example where it doesn't work. So I think they did a great job of outlining, like, here are these procedural things. This is how you handle this. This is why this doesn't meet federal requirements. Like, you're, you're not meeting the requirements you're supposed to be meeting. And here's a specific example where you didn't meet those requirements. So I think there are a lot of anecdotes and a lot of specific case examples, but I totally think they did a good analysis of procedures overall. It's not like, here's one thing that bad that happens, and this is our whole report. It's like, here are a lot of bad things that happens. Here's where your procedures don't work. Here's where they don't work legally. You need to fix it. How do you think that campus safety could be improved? I know that we need better training as a community on sexual violence specifically um, and sexual harassment specifically, because prevention is key for those things. I know that bystander intervention is a good way to go because most people don't perpetrate violence against other people, right? It's a small, small segment of the population that does it over and over again. And so teaching people how to intervene is important, which I know the university has some sort of bystander intervention training for some groups, um, but according to the report, it wasn't in depth, it wasn't up to date, so that makes it not very effective. So I think that would be one way to go. Is there just anything else that you would want to add? Any more thoughts? I'm just disheartened by the university's poor handling of things and poor procedural things. But I really appreciate that they have some staff who are very dedicated and devoted. I appreciate that they're good staff. It sounds like the issue is more that there's not good procedures. And I really appreciate that the university is trying to do more things. But I would just say, like, own it. Own the fact that it's been messed up and needs to be fixed and make this a priority because the students' safety and well-being should be a priority for a school because it's hard to get a good education (laughs) if you're not safe and don't have the support you need. I appreciate the work that you're actually doing, like both by being passionate, but by like taking steps and having this dialogue. I mean, student to student, even this is kind of a, a rare conversation to have. So I'm thankful that you came on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. For Generation Justice, this is Christina Rodriguez.
Thank you, Kathy, for coming to talk about the DOJ report and their findings. The university has taken steps to try and combat sexual assault, but more needs to be done to protect the students on campus. It is inexcusable that the Office of Equal Opportunity Investigators hired were not properly trained to carry out these investigations. It's disheartening that it takes a long time for the cases to be processed, but it is good that the university is taking the initiative with implementing new programs to tackle this issue. Now here is our next song, Just a Girl by No Doubt. You're listening to Generation Justice. Tonight, we're talking about the University of New Mexico's perpetual mishandling of sexual assault cases, according to the Department of Justice report. Now, we'll hear from UNM students about whether or not they feel informed about the DOJ report. The response to President Frank when he said, quote, Universities like UNM face the unattainable goal of stopping campus sexual assault, unquote. And if they've heard anything about UNM's initiatives, like Lobo Respect, Protect the Pack, and Lobo Guardian, that were created to prevent sexual assault. Let's give them a listen. My name is Libby, and I am a transfer student. I transferred in this year, and I'm studying nursing. I'm Anthony Thompson, and I'm an electrical engineering student at UNM, senior. My name is Wang Xiaodi. I'm an exchange student from China, and now I'm living on campus, and uh, my major is finance. That's me. My name is Josiah Concho. I'm a sophomore here at the University of New Mexico studying environmental design and planning. I'm a student here and also work here at the University of New Mexico. My name is Danessa Hernandez. I'm a special education major. This is my freshman year. Well, I haven't heard much about the DOJ report. I haven't really heard much about it, so I'm not really aware of what's going on, but I do know, like, as a student worker, we do have to follow policies regarding it, so... I've honestly just heard that it's happening, and I saw an email from the president. I have not heard about the DOJ's report for UNM over their sexual assault handling. I had no idea, honestly, until you approached me. I think it's a huge problem, and I think it's painful to a lot of people. I think that should be, like, his main concern, honestly, the president. I don't know what else he does. He should be just looking at that. Well, I believe he hasn't really addressed the issue, mostly because... There's been so many of the advisory reports that we get through the messaging system and alerts, and it's like, it's almost one every week. Like, that's how often it's become, and it's kind of confusing because half the time I am on campus when it happens, but I'm never, like, around that area, and I don't understand, like, how it could happen so much if it's so populated at UNM around those certain times. His responsibility to protect the students around the campus, but also the campus is kind of like open campus, so it's it's hard to do that. But it's his like responsibility to do that. I believe that. When I receive some messages, like somebody around the campus do some weird things or dangerous things, I feel a little bit like dangerous on campus, because in my country, it seldom happens these kind of things on campus. So. And to say that it's unattainable, um, I don't, I don't think that's very acceptable. 
Um, I mean, if you've gone through a, a sexual assault situation, um, I think it should definitely be handled, um, and it should be very important to be solved as soon as possible. Obviously, I guess people don't usually want to talk too much about it. I think I know maybe four or five all women who have been assaulted, and I think they have filed reports with the university. I don't. Know, I don't think anything has come from any of those reports. So I know somebody that was um, or had a sexual assault situation, and so I just I briefly know about it, but I know that it was very severe situation that actually did not get handled. Well, I guess at a university level, I think like it's it's spreading awareness to students, being able to teach them like this idea of respect. I do know here at the university we do have a, a department called Lobo Respect, so they do take care of a lot of that. I know we do have departments that look out for these situations. So, I have heard of Lobo Respect during my freshman orientation for like those few moments, and then it's hasn't really been talked about since then. I've heard, like, the saying, protect the pack, like, kind of watch out for each other, keep an eye on each other, just, like, also in freshman orientation. And, well, considering the fact that we only heard about all of those sexual assault preventions only in freshman orientation, and, like, I don't think it really was enough because we only had, like, a touch of it, and it's not very known or seen throughout campus, I think people don't really know about those just because we're not very well educated about it because some of us haven't heard it at all or we've only heard it once. They have posters, right? Yeah, I've seen their posters. Yeah, uh, I feel good about them, I guess. I don't know. I, I feel like it's not as aggressive, I guess, as it could be. I feel like it's not like this is zero tolerance. You guys need to literally cut this out. Or like certain houses that you don't go to. And it's like... If we already know which places are dangerous, how come the university hasn't stepped in to like take those actions so that way those places could be less dangerous? And really just trying to get everyone to understand what the campus is having to offer because Lober Guardian, I didn't even know. Like I thought it was something completely different and it's really like the safety thing that you could use and it's an app. Like I didn't even know the university had apps really. I guess I think like to set some like people like looking around the campus like during several hours because like our camp especially the central or the lomas always happen some bad things so probably they can like set some people there to work just to working around to protect the students. It's not necessarily university culture. It's like war like they're trying to like fight back like an entire like nation's culture and it's it's hard. I think it should be working harder, but it's hard. I think it can be improved greatly. Like, if I walk out to the courtyards around campus, there's no one watching for us or looking out. Like, if something was to happen, I'm pretty sure nobody would respond. Like, even if we do call you and police, I'm pretty sure it would take quite some time. So I think there could be more improvement in the campus regulations and policies. And I guess student, faculty, staff, workers all working together, like, that would be really helpful. Thank you to all who took the time to talk with us. It's upsetting to know that many students are unaware of the report that was released by the DOJ. Some of the students that we talked to are also unaware of the initiatives set up by the university to prevent sexual assault. According to the recent DOJ report, it is clear that the University of New Mexico is failing its students, and it should be better. Now, here's our next song, Soldier of Love by Sade.
Next on our program is Mai Sagbaken, the executive director of the Rape Crisis Center of Central New Mexico. Over the last 40 years, the Rape Crisis Center has provided victims of sexual assault with resources, advocated for their rights, and provided a safe space. Here is Polly Dinekla with Mai Sagbaken. Hello, my name is Polly Dinekla, and I'm here with Mai Sagbaken, the executive director of the Rape Crisis Center of Central New Mexico. Thank you for joining us, Mai. Thank you for having me. Mai, can you just please introduce yourself? My name is Mai Sagbaken. I'm the executive director of the Rape Crisis Center. I've been there for two and a half years. I'm originally from Norway, but lived here in New Mexico for 20 years, and I am an alum of UNM. And can you tell us more about the Rape Crisis Center of Central New Mexico? It's a very unique uh, place. It's the only rape crisis center in Bernalillo County, and we service central New Mexico. We have 22 staff, and we have crisis services, free counseling, prevention and outreach, and we also have the fourth pillar, which is social justice, meaning we take a stand for victims and survivors in the community. And can you tell us about what the center's position is on the conclusion of the DOJ report? Well, very briefly, we commend and applaud Department of Justice for listening to students, staff, and faculty and their complaints and grievances put forth and taking them seriously. And we believe the uh, report uh, is a reflection of what's needed on campus. There's a good section of recommendations, some very devastating reading of uh, what's been happening to survivors. We hope this will not continue and that UNM will stand with DOJ and do what's necessary to make a difference. The release of this report was long awaited. It took 16 months for the DOJ to share its findings and its conclusion. So what are your thoughts on the media's coverage of this report? There has been a stunning silence in the local media. There has been no coverage of the actual content of the report. This is a historic national moment, as this is the second university in the nation being investigated. And it's also a historic moment for victims and survivors that they are being heard. But it's also an opportunity for UNM to do really well and be a role model. So the media um, not covering and not hearing the voices is another stunning silence for victims. We are hoping that with this and other stories that we can continue the conversation as to how we can improve response on campus. And UNM does have the opportunity to really role model for other schools um, how to address issues of sexual assaults on campus. But President Frank has adamantly denied that the conclusions and findings in the DOJ report are true. What are your thoughts on that? It's a surprise to everyone at the Rape Crisis Center um, that um, the conclusion has been the content being anecdotal and inaccurate. Um, we are hoping that the president and the leadership at UNM will um, change their mind on that. And uh, even though they have communicated, they will work with DOJ, that they actually communicate to staff, faculty, and students and parents that they do 
believe that they need to do better and that they did not do as well as they could in the past and that people are hurt. There's a lot of pain in the report. And to hear that the president is saying that this is anecdotal is painful for victims and um, survivors who have come forward to share their stories. It takes a lot of courage to, to talk about sexual assault. And they need to hear from the president that he believes them and that he takes this very seriously and will make a difference. What other resources or support systems do you think universities need in place to help survivors of sexual assault? Some of the systems that's needed is more um, staff resources to support students when they uh, come forward with a complaint. There's right now a big unknown as to what happens even after you report. There's a huge need for training of staff and faculty so they know what to do if somebody's reporting to them. Uh, I think even educating parents. My son is going to college um, this fall and I need to know that he's safe. One of every 16 male students are also assaulted and one of every five um, female students or women. And as a parent, I need to know what to do if something happens. So a major educational effort is needed. But once the assault happens, somebody who reports needs to know what's going to happen. Are they going to be safe? Who is going to keep the perpetrator out of the classroom or, or out of the workplace or off campus during the investigation? So, And all of these details, I'm sure DOJ would focus on. Um, overall, we as the Rape Crisis Center can support with free counseling and advocacy in that process. And are there any resources you can share if anyone listening needs them? Yes, everybody should know that the Rape Crisis Center has a 24-7 hotline, 266-7711. And we also have free counseling and walk-in appointment between 10 and 2 in the afternoon. Anybody can walk in for a counseling appointment at our main site. We can also work and meet um, clients outside our facility. And my, is there anything else you would like to add? Well, it's our hope that students will remain safe and that students will um, hear from leadership on any campus that this is going to be taken seriously, that we will see more consequences for perpetrators, uh, more clarity as to what happens when you report, and more support around victims when they do have the courage to come forward with their stories. Thank you, Mai, for coming and talking to us here at Generation Justice. I really appreciate it. And I also appreciate the work that you and the Rape Christ Center of Central New Mexico do to help survivors of sexual assault. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me here today. For Generation Justice, I'm Polly Dineclaw. Thank you, Mai, for taking the time out of your day to come talk with us. It's so sad to know that there's only one Rape Crisis Center in Bernalillo County. They take on a very large task in providing help to all of Bernalillo and are doing a great job in doing so. I agree with Mai that this issue has been overlooked by the local media, and that needs to change. Hopefully the university will follow through with its promises by communicating with the community. Thank you for the amazing work and services your center provides for Central New Mexico. Now, here's our next song, Woman's Revolution, by Blue King Brown, featuring Queen Afrika.
last week, we talked with Equipto, who was part of the hashtag Frisco5 hunger strike. They were demanding that the San Francisco police chief, Greg Sir, resign because of his history of violence and racism within the department. Last Thursday, May 19th, Greg Sir resigned amid pressure from the community and city officials. This is a huge win in the battle to stop police brutality, and we're glad to end the show on a positive note. And with that, we end tonight's program. We'd like to send a big thank you to Heather Cowan, Kathy Cook, and Mai Sagbecken. We'd also like to thank Danessa Hernandez, Libby Peters, Josiah Concho, Anthony Thompson, and Xiaodi Wong for sharing your experiences with us. Thank you to Kamaria Umi for engineering this evening's program. The show was produced by Polly Donetkla and Christina Rodriguez. Production assistance tonight came from Kateri Zuni, Sam Nashuga, George Luna Pena, Tamara Kalaki, and Roberta Rail. Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to all of our past radio programs, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and so much more. Our podcasts are available on iTunes, so be sure to subscribe. We're also active on social media, so be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, with additional funding from the McCune Foundation, Call Alma Health Foundation, and of course all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking Donate. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned. I'm your host, Jakia Fuller. And I'm Edgar Cruz. Join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock.